Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I had a fantastic conversation this week with Carlos Whitaker. Carlos is an author, speaker, worship leader, and self-professed hope dealer. He speaks at churches and conferences across the country, hosts a popular podcast, and is a best-selling author. His most recent book is Enter Wild, which encourages us to exchange a mild and mundane faith for life with an uncontainable God. In this episode, Carlos and I discuss why so many seem to settle for a safe, mild faith rather than embracing the abundant life that Jesus offers. Carlos shares from his personal life how he has experienced fresh and powerful growth, including overcoming anxiety, forgiving himself, and developing in his prayer life, all as he has rediscovered a wild faith. This is such a great episode, so please now won't you join me in my conversation with Carlos Whitaker. Carlos, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. So thankful that you could take some time to be with us today. I am I'm just a, I'm a fan of the podcast. So like I can't believe I'm on it. So thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> awesome, brother. Now, Carlos, in your most recent book, Enter Wild, you hone in on this idea that we can, uh, and not only can, but that that we probably should, right, break free from a, a safe, mild, mundane faith and really reach for the abundant life Jesus offers us. So, so the first question I have for you which is a bit of a doozy, but I think it's a good place to start is, <laughs> sure. uh, why do you think so many of us settle for a safe life with God? <clears throat> that's a great, I mean, that's a great question. You know, I, um, I can, I can only speak for myself and maybe a few people, uh, in history maybe, and maybe some people in the Bible. I don't, I don't necessarily know about all the listeners that are listening to you, but I do know this. I do know that, uh, God is committed to our maturing. If there's one thing I know I see through scripture, that is what he's committed to. He's committed to our maturing. And yet maturity never takes place on vacation. Maturity never takes place uh, when things are easy. And so inevitably we understand that we are living a life that is going to be filled with trials, trauma, and hardship. And so this is why I feel like uh, so many people maybe hang out at mild. And I think it's because Maybe when we when we finally became believers, uh, when you finally come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is, and you, I mean, you are filled with Holy Spirit, you are like on fire, you're ready to go. It's wild, right? Like it's wild. Like you, you just admitted that you believe that a man was fully God, was murdered, and then rose again. Like that's wild. Like you right. can't, you can't, you can't believe that stuff and not think that that's not wild. So, as a new believer, you, it's wild. And what it, what ends up happening inevitably is the pounding and the crushing of life begins to take its toll on our hearts and our ethos. And then what happens is we find ourselves in a pain of, in a, in a place of pain, in a place of trauma. Uh, and, and, and we're begging God to pull us out of that space. We're begging God to pull us out. And this is, this is the long way around to answer that question. I feel like what ends up happening is most people get to about 60% better from the trauma, 60% better from the pain you know, we remember what it was like to be like in the pit of despair and God has pulled us out. Now we're 50 to 60% better. And I think at that point we make a deal and we say something like, God, 
if I could just, if you, if I just never go back to there, to that place of pain and trauma and trial and tribulation, I'm happy here. Like if I can just mm. hang out at 60%, then it's not going to feel as bad as it, as it did at zero. So maybe I'll just hang out here until I get to heaven. Then once heaven comes, I'll experience all the miracle signs and wonders that you promised me. But unfortunately, which is the whole point of the book, unfortunately for those people that just want to hang out at 60%, John 10.10 10 doesn't say a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to 60%. <laughs> it says, it says uh, that he's come that we may have life and have it to the full, have it in abundance. And so that means in the midst of the trauma, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the pain and the trauma, you can still have this Zoe connection with abundance and the abundant um, manifestation of who God is in your life. And I just feel like so many Christians have given up. Mm. You know, we, we've just we we've given up. We've settled. And I don't think that Jesus died on a cross so that we can cope. Like that—that's not yeah. the purpose of the cross. He didn't die on a cross so we can cope. He died on a cross. So we can be more than conquerors so that we can actually live life to the full. And so that's what my the, the book is. That's what the call is, is, is for Christians to leave safe, leave mild, and actually be the hands and feet of Jesus and step into some crazy stuff. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Carlos. Um, as we're talking about abundance, in the book you write that abundance has nothing to do with accumulating things and everything to do with accessing the king. So unpack that for us, please. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, I think that John 10, 10 has been one of the most uh, misused scriptures in the name it and claim it movement mm-hmm. um, that, that we've seen. I, I think that so many times I, I know I thought that that verse meant I'm supposed to have like the newest Tesla, a way bigger <laughs> car and all these things because right life to the full life in abundance. Uh, but then I just started, obviously the more research you do and the more you look at like the, th- this is, this verse wasn't written for Americans, right? Like, this verse, this verse was written for humanity. And and abundance and life to the full has nothing to do with things. You know, th- does that mean that we may God may bless may not bless us with something that's amazing, like some some financial blessing or something? No, of course, like that that stuff happens, but that's not what this verse is about. This verse is about again uh, connecting with that unbridled, just passionate love of God and the connection that we have with Him. Uh, it's a spiritual connection. It's a spiritual abundance. It's a spiritual overflowing and life to the full. And and the reason why that's so important is because people need to understand that, again, life to the full does, isn't just talking about when things are great. You can have life to the full and life with abundance when you're in the darkest season of your life. Like it's still accessible to you, but you know, I, I, I we just retranslate that verse to say life to 60% life, instead of life to the full. So again, it's the access that we have you know, to the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords, like that in and of itself uh, should propel you towards healing and freedom. Yeah, that's good. That's good, brother. When, whenever you kind of um, walk through this, this idea of, you know, tapping into the abundance and, and really accessing uh, Jesus, you walk through kind of these three different phases. Can you, can you talk to us a bit about these, these three phases and how they kind of play yeah. out? Yeah, absolutely. So, I've divided the book into three sections. Um, enter rest is the first section. Enter war is the second section. And then enter wild is the third section. And hopefully the manifestation of everything that we're kind of walking through. And um, really enter rest. People hear the word rest and they think, oh, sweet. Like I get, you know, Carlos is asking me to go on vacation. Carlos is asking <laughs> me to watch Netflix. Carlos is asking. But the, the, the whole point of entering rest isn't necessarily for your blood pressure, which may be like a added benefit. <laughs> but the, the point of entering rest is to lower the volume of life so that the volume of God goes up. 
So it's all about hearing the voice of God. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, there's there's church leaders listening to this. I I am like a lifer church leader, been on staff at some of the biggest churches in the country, um, on leadership teams at biggest churches, some of the biggest churches in the country. And I don't think I was ever taught until I was 40 years old how to truly hear the voice of God. And so I know that this is not something that a lot of church leaders are comfortable even having conversations about. So in the book, I I really take a um, uh, what I, what I feel like is a really basic approach that is really um, accessible to anybody that's reading it on how to truly enter rest, lower the volume of life, the volume of God goes up. When you do that, God is going to begin to tell you the things that you've got to deal with, right? When you do that, God's going to begin to tell you, uh, you know, all day long, every day conversational intimacy with Holy Spirit is supposed to be a normal thing. Yet, you know, we we talk about hearing from God maybe once or twice in our life. It, it was either d- during the key change, a shout to the Lord in the 90s or, <laughs> you know, at a big church service or something like that. And like, oh, I heard the Lord speak to me. Well, well, the, the, the beautiful thing about that is like Holy Spirit is is speaking to us all day, every day. And mm. so in the enter in the enter rest section, I take people on very practical ways on how it is you can hear from Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit, do I go to Chick-fil-A or Chipotle to lunch today? Like he really will tell you these things. Like these are the the small things that we've got to learn to do. And when you start hearing the small, still voice of Holy Spirit, the bigger, uh, the bigger issues will begin to come to light. And then so once he starts telling you, okay, you this, these are the things I want you to deal with, then we move into the enter war section. And the enter war section is is all about taking what Holy Spirit has told us when we entered rest and going to war with the things that should not be in our lives that he has revealed to us. So, you know, I, I talk about, you know, spiritual warfare. I talk about, again, maybe some things in the evangelical conservative church that I grew up in that weren't talked about on a regular basis. And I talk about some of the tools that we have accessible to us when we finally uh, start battling, when we finally start stepping into this warfare on the offense, you know, uh, going back to John 10, 10, I think that uh, we we also we translate the end of the verse to life to be sixty percent instead of the full. But we also I, I feel like Christians translate the beginning of the verse instead of saying a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I think that you know so many Christians haven't been taught the the actual schemes of the enemy. So we translate that a thief comes to like bother you, annoy you, and irritate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's actually not what the verse says. It says that he's out to for destruction, for total and complete destruction of who we are of our hearts. So that, that means we've got to be on the offense, not on the defense. So, you know, during the enter war, I talk about things that I've learned through, again, studies, um, leading up to this book on when I look in the gospels, I realize I looked at all the times Jesus prayed. And actually I realized I was not praying like Jesus. Jesus never prayed the problem. And yet all of my prayers were filled with Lord. I'm so filled with anxiety. Mm. Lord, I'm so filled with depression. Lord, I'm so broke. Lord, I'm so worried. And then I started thinking, wait a second, like the way Jesus actually prayed, he didn't pray the problem. He prayed the promise. Mm. And I'm telling you, friend, when I started to shift my prayer life, and instead of saying, I'm so depressed, I'm so anxious, I'm so worried, I started going to the word of God, finding the promises that are will cancel those agreements. And I started praying, you know, I'm the body of Christ. Satan has no power over me. I've overcome evil with good. I'm of God. I've overcome him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'll fear no evil. You are with me, Lord. Your word and your spirit, they come for me. All of these promises of God, I begin declaring instead of the problems. And I'm telling you, half, I, I've, I realized that half the times my prayers weren't being answered. I, I feel like it's because the enemy was sitting right next to me, applauding me as I was agreeing to all these things he wanted me to agree to mm. while I was talking to God. So even in our language, talking to God, we can still make agreements with the enemy. 
Enter War, the section of the book is going to help you with four steps on how to break these agreements, how to find freedom, how to step into uh, this true um, wild uh, faith that God has for us. And then the book goes into Enter Wild, uh, and that's just kind of the culmination of what happens when you uh, enter rest and enter war. You step into this this crazy season of miracle signs and wonders on a daily basis. You know, uh, th- there's, a, there's a story um, right before the, the Great Commission when Jesus shows up to the disciples and, you know, he starts, he, he starts telling them first, first he kind of goes off on them because they were like arguing whether or not he's really alive. Like they, they really still didn't believe it yet. And so like he comes in, he kind of like deals with that issue. And then he goes into like all these things that are going to happen in the disciples' lives. And I remember when I was a kid and I heard this story as a five or six year old thinking like, oh my gosh, like I'm a disciple of Jesus. I get to experience all these things. And so when I was five or six, I had this wonder in front of me that I wanted to do all the things that Jesus has called me to do. But then the funny thing happens, we end up growing up and we end up losing that wonder and we end up losing the belief that these things are available to us. And, um, you know, the enter wild section is filled with a whole bunch of wild stories, not necessarily like massive wild stories, but again, I'm trying to show people that even in conversational intimacy on a daily basis, you can start to see miracle signs and wonders and abundance and life to the full in like all day, every day. These things are happening to us and around us all day, every day. If we would just pay attention and mm-hmm. if we would just slow down enough to see it, we're, we're, we're existing at such a pace of life that I think we're, it's not that there's not miracle signs and wonders happening around us. It's that we're going 60 miles an hour. So we, we're, we're not going slow enough to actually see them. So when, again, we enter rest uh, and we slow down, lower the volume of life, I, I think wild's going to start to explode. So th- those are the three sections of the book. And, um, you know, the book's been out as a, at the point of this recording for about a week, about a week now, actually, a week to the day. And it's been so cool to see people uh, just on Instagram, just talking about the these miracles that they're seeing now that they're slowing down. And I mean, it's just, it's so fun. It's exactly what's happening uh, is what I've just prayed would happen. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I can only imagine, <laughs> you know, it's only yeah. been out a week and, and you've already you know, had some cool stories. I can't imagine yeah. how God's going to use it, um, you know, for the years to come. So that's, that's awesome. I love that. And I love kind of how you walk through that. Carlos, I want to talk a little bit about, um, so let's get to, let, let, let's focus in on the be still part real quickly. Um, yeah. Because it's no secret that the world in which we live, especially right now, I mean, as we're recording yeah. this, right? And as this book is released, Carlos, there's chaos, you know, just straight up chaos going on in our country, around the world, but but you know, here in America, um, yeah, to a degree that we're not accustomed to experiencing. You know, in some ways, we've we've been blessed that we have not experienced this more as other countries have. But for us, this is a reality right now. So there's a lot of a lot of chaos, a lot of tension, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and in in the midst of that, how how do we practically be still and kind of you know, slow down when it seems like there's so much craziness happening all yeah. around us, right? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, great question. I think what we need to first realize is ca- the chaos, the chaos has always been here. The chaos, is, it's not like new to 2020. Like you look, you go back to, you know, Moses freeing the Israelites from the Egyptians. I mean, that's chaos, right? Like, <laughs> right, like right. There, there's, there, there's chaos that's that's constantly happened. But what I want leaders to, to think about is the pace that we're living. Okay. So even within the chaos, if you look back at Jesus's ministry, Jesus ministered at three miles an hour. Now, what do I mean by that? An average human being walks at three miles an hour. So 
what I love about looking at the Gospels and looking at how Jesus ministered is, right, he never, uh, at, least, at least as far as I know, he never even got on a horse, right? Like he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's always walking. He's always taking the time. And I can, I can only fathom that the reason why, besides being the Son of God, that his ministry and the, the ministry of this, the disciples, even after he left, was so powerful was because they were ministering at three miles an hour. They were very focused. They were very intentional at the issue at hand. And so we as church leaders are, are sitting right now at when this podcast comes out with numerous issues at hand. And so I think what we want to do, like what our, uh, what our hustle culture wants us to do is to like accelerate to a place of having an answer. Mm. Whereas I feel like maybe Jesus is calling us not to accelerate to a place of having an answer, but to sit in the stillness of the moment that we're in and to leave mild for so many church leaders right now. Mild means you're avoiding the issues at hand. Mild means you're just, you're just uh, not looking at what's happening with, you know, um, racial injustice in America. You're not looking at these things and that's a mild, but if you really want to get wild and be the hands and feet of Jesus, now you actually have to, as the church, not only talk about these things, but confront these things, not mm. only talk about these things, but face these things. And, you know, that, that's going to that's gonna take work. It's going to be exhausting. But if we do it at the pace that Jesus ministered at, I think we're going to be in the long haul of this. Now, that's kind of like ministerially looking at what, what we're, our kind of ethos wants to do as leaders. But then, of course, like just as like in your personal growth as a leader, how, you know, what's your screen time look like on your phone? Are you, are you using your phone as an alarm clock every single morning? And there's data that shows now that the first 15 minutes that a human being wakes up after they swipe to stop their alarm on the phone, they sit in bed and they swipe and they consume more content in that 15 minutes than our grandparents would consume in a day. Wow. So like, wow. like, like what, what are we doing to our minds? What are we doing to our hearts? What are we doing to our souls? Um, when we're so connected and we're consuming so much content, I just think we've got to start you know, lowering, again, lowering the volume of life, slowing down, finding things that, um, that allow you to connect with God in nature. Those are things that, you know, I talk about in this book as well. Like I became a, I've become a fly fisherman over the last four years. That is something I, you never would have thought that this black man would have ever been waist deep in a river, (laughs) casting, casting a fly. But the first time somebody forced me to do it, I've now, there's, there's not two weeks that goes by in my life that I'm not waist deep in a river because I'm hearing from God so loudly when I do this. And there's things that God has is, is, is placed inside of our hearts that will allow us to slow down. So again, we've got to slow down, stand still, pause. Um, back to the Egyptians again for a quick second. Moses tells the, um, the Israelites as, as they're, they're running away from the Egyptian army and they're, they look behind them, there's an Egyptian army, they look in front of them, there's the Red Sea, and they freak out and they tell Moses, gosh, you should have left, up in, left us in Egypt to die. You know, we could have served the Egyptians and they would have had grace for us there. Now we're going to die in the desert and they're freaking out, right? And what Moses says to them is amazing. He actually says, stand still and you will see the Lord save you today. And I love the mm. picture of that. Yeah. that the picture that, that you've got the Israelites on the beach, they're freaking out, they're running around and he's like, hey, 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 stand still. And, and the second that they all stood still, lowered the volume of life, stopped, that's when the sea split wide open and they walked to the promised land. And so for so many leaders, here's the deal. You may be, you may be thinking like, where's my promised land? Like, wh- where's, where's the promises that I see coming to fruition in my life that God has promised me? And my, my question to you is not where's the promised land, but have you stopped long enough to allow God to, 
to have a miracle happen right in front of you so that you can not have to figure out how to get to the promised land, but just walk through the Red Sea that's split wide open for you? Like, are you slowing down enough for the miracles of God to happen in your life so that you can finally get to your promised land? Yeah, that's good. That's good, brother. Yeah. I love that. Um, Thanks, man. As you look at this, the the next piece, you know, talk about this entry in war, you know, kind of you're addressing things that the, the Holy Spirit's bringing up in your life. You know, as you're, as you're entering rest and being still, you're opening yourself up to the work of the Spirit in your life. Um, yeah. Which, which uh, we have two options whenever the Holy Spirit begins to point things out, right? <laughs> One option right. is to, to like ignore it and just kind of go on with yep. life and try to dismiss it. The other is to, like you've said, enter war, you know, and address yeah. it. Carlos, we know that many, many people wrestle with anxiety these days. You have you share in your book, you've shared elsewhere about your own struggles with the anxiety. Can you share with us maybe what have you learned about um, God's abundance yeah. that has helped you with that specific struggle? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, again, God's abundance. I, I, I think for the first thing I needed to realize was that even in the midst of my anxiety, in the midst of my panic disorder, in the midst of the things that I struggled with for so long, even there, it's not, I was not separated from God. Like, mm. like I was not, I, I, God was actually right there with me. Like right. he was, he was right there. And so I think that's the first thing to realize is even in the midst of your anxiety and depression, he's, he's there. But I think the second thing that we've got to understand is that there, there's so much inner healing work that needs to happen inside of our, inside of our hearts that a lot of anxiety, I'm not saying all, all anxiety, but there's a lot of anxiety that comes from the place that I found mine was coming from. And that was actually a place of unforgiveness of self. Mm. And when, when I finally broke free of that, when I finally found some inner healing, uh, like an inner healing practitioner here in Nashville, that took me to a place of realizing that I had been shaming a part of my heart, that God created that part of my heart, but that part of my heart had made some bad decisions and had ruined a lot of people's lives. And so for the longest time, I would say things like, well, I can't stand that part of me. I, I wish that part of me never existed. Um, I don't ever want to see that part of me. And that, that's language that we use a lot when we talk about parts of ourselves. But what I realized through my inner healing work was actually that part of me that I'm shaming is God created that part of me and is, is actually needed. I, I actually need that part of me to come back into reconciliation with the rest of myself. So what that took was forgiveness. And as Christians, we talk about forgiveness from God a lot. We talk about forgiveness of others and from others a lot. But what we don't talk about a lot is forgiveness of self. Mm. And once I forgave myself, once I forgave that part of me that I've been shaming for so long, once that part of me that I've been shaming forgave this part of me that had been shaming him <laughs> for so long, and the hearts came into reconciliation, I'm, I'm telling you right now, clear as day, my anxiety disappeared the moment that reconciliation happened. And this, I'm, I'm talking about 20 years of Paxil taking 15 milligrams a day, anxiety, physical manifestations of anxiety all went away when that reconciliation and forgiveness happened. And so in the middle section of my book, I take readers through my inner healing journey of, of kind of reconciling that and finding healing for my anxiety. So just know that, that um, God's abundance is available to you, whether you're in the pit of anxiety right now or you're moving through it. You've got to learn to not, not make agreements that you're going to stay with your anxiety. We say that all the time. Like, like, you know, I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't say that anymore. If I go through a, if I go through a season of anxiety, I don't say I have anxiety. I say I'm going through a season of anxiety. What does that mean? That means there's a beginning and that means there's an end. And that means that I'm believing the promises 
that God says that I will come through on the other side. So don't make agreements as you're explaining what season you're in in anxiety. Make sure that you're saying things like, I'm going through anxiety, um, and, and I believe all these things will help. That's good. That's good. One of the things that you write about, and in, in, in kind of you're alluding to this to, to a degree, is that there was a time, and you shared the story, there's a time when you relapsed kind of during your fight against anxiety and you fell back into kind of your old self-medicating habits. And, and at yeah. this point, you even said, you know, you'd even told people that God had healed you from anxiety and, and all these things. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for any minister who leads people, that's really kind of a constant fear of ours, right? Um, feeling right. like we're trying to lead people knowing all the while that we might uh, be just moments away from slipping back into our own old patterns. Yep. So Carlos, yep. Can, can you help us? Um, because we all you know, wrestle with this. What was that experience like? How did you you know, find the courage to get help, as, as you said, you know, looking yeah. outside of yourself for help? Can you just kind of talk us through that? Because I think that's something that's kind of common. We don't talk yeah. about it necessarily. We don't own up to yeah, it. That's kind good. of common for all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that because, uh, again, w- whenever we get over kind of a big sin issue or medicating issue in our lives, we have the tendency to celebrate, right? Because it feels so good. Like we're finally out. We're finally right. out, of, out, of, out of our chains. And it's like, yes. And and we 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 forget that the enemy hasn't just given up. Like, like, it's not like, oh, well, I'm done with him. You know, he gets, you know, he gets a, a free and clear life now. He, he gets a pass. No, like what I've learned is actually the, the, the harder that I'm working for God, the more, you know, and listen, th- this may sound depressing for Christian leaders out there, but the more good you're doing for the kingdom of God, the harder the enemy is going to be coming after you. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to realize that, that um, I, my book before this one was called Kill the Spider. And it's all about, about not cleaning the cobwebs of sin in your life, but killing the spider, the root of the cobwebs. And you, you, I use that language a lot. And I, I try to tell people that, you know, there's not, we don't just have one spider in our life. It's not like once you kill the spider of pornography or you kill the spider of gossip or you kill the spider of whatever your medicating behavior is, that, that, that there's not another spider waiting to come out. So what you have to do is constantly be uh, engaging in warfare. And it took me, it took my wife seeing my relapse of my medicating behaviors because of my anxiety to kind of look at me and say, listen, this is it. Like, like you, you got no more chances. Like I've given you all the chances in the world. This needs to be a complete and total healing. And then you have to be trained to battle this on a daily basis. Mm. And so that's, that's when I, uh, listen, I, I'm a big believer in therapy. I'm a big believer in counseling. And I think all that's great. And that's very helpful. But what I needed was something that wasn't just that I just didn't do in the natural, something that I did in the supernatural. And I, I try to tell people that when it comes to their healing of all of these issues, remember that our help is in the natural and our hope is in the supernatural. Mm. Our help is in the natural. Our hope is in the supernatural. So I went from the natural diet, exercise, reading books, listening to podcasts, going to, going to therapy to the supernatural of finding this man named John in, in Nashville, Tennessee with the worst website I'd ever seen before. And like, like I built in like 1993, but something told me that this man knew how to pray. And this man knew how to get to the, to the deepest part of my heart. And I went and I met this man and I go through my healing journey with him. My it's called heart sync was the, uh, inner healing freedom prayer sessions that I went through. Um, and he took me to a place of er- not just eradicating one spider, but eradicating all the spiders, but then giving me the tools to use as, as we continue in life and accidentally make more agreements, how I can eradicate them sooner as opposed to later. So 
what do I do now? Like every single day, I consecrate my day. I've got my daily prayer. It's a 15-minute prayer that I pray every single morning. And I consecrate my entire day. I do praise and thanksgiving every single day. After my, my consecration prayer, I put on my worship record and I do praise and thanksgiving. These are like the, the things I have to do now in order to guard myself against the schemes and attacks of the enemy. And we can't get lazy once we find freedom and think that, you know, uh, we just, we get a, a free-for-all skate, you know, through life. The truth is, is that the enemy is going to come harder. He's going to try other places to come. And we just have to continue to protect ourselves with these weapons of warfare. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Let's let's talk a little bit about your daily prayer ritual. You touched on it right there. Um, yeah. But can you can you kind of, uh, again, just kind of walk us through what, what that looks like for you? And then I would love to hear um, how the Spirit's been speaking to you you know, since you've created this daily um, prayer practice, like, yeah, like yeah. some of the cool stories have come out of that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, my, my daily prayer, um, I, I initially got this from John Eldridge, just like a mentor of mine that doesn't know he's a mentor of mine, but he's a mentor of mine. <laughs> and he's got this daily prayer uh, that that it's in it's in Walking with God, a book that he that he wrote many years ago. And so I've kind of taken that that prayer and rewritten it and kind of adapted it for my life and for kind of what I'm going through. So I pray that every day and kind of my practice now is I wake up in the morning, um, I do my daily prayer. I go straight from my daily prayer into my um, my praise and thanksgiving times of worship. Um, and, and then I go from prayer and thanksgiving to beginning my conversational intimacy with Jesus. So I've got my journal and there's there's different questions in that daily prayer that that you're supposed to ask. And so as I ask, I listen for Holy Spirit and I write those down. And then this is what I do. And I tell people all the time that if you're new to really hearing from God, you know, the first thing you need to not do is to go look for a fire on the side of some mountain to tell you if you should quit your job, right? Like that's like, <laughs> that, that that's not like hearing God one-on-one. What I tell people to do is to just use scripture to hear from God. So the easiest things to do that I do every single day is, Lord, you know, wh- what would you have me read today? I mean, that's, that's the simple question I ask. What would you have me read today? And I'll tell you, like, like more times than not, I'll be led to a scripture, you know, that I've never heard before, that I've never even read before, that has to do exactly with the situation I'm going through. So, so knowing that we all believe that the Word of God is living and active, if you're new to hearing from God, use the Word of God. Ask God specifically, what should I read? Where should I go? And th- that's, that's initially what, what, what I started doing. But it's also what I've kept doing because there's nothing that speaks louder to me uh, than the word of God. And so like, you don't have to guess about that. You don't have to edit the Holy Spirit when you're reading scripture. Like it is what it is. Scripture is what it is. So definitely do that. Use the word of God, um, you know, and then what I, what I would say is from that practice of hearing God every day, once you start to develop hearing him and what scripture he wants to read, then you can move to start asking him more specific questions about your day and about your life. And again, these are the stories that are just so fun. Once you start to hear the voice of God, you know, I, I, every single day, I mean, I I look like a crazy man walking through the airport because people think I'm talking to myself, but I'm really talking to the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm like, Lord, do you want me to go get a juice? Or do you want me to go to, you know, sit at the Delta Sky Club? Like I'm asking Mm -hmm. him these things and I'm, and I'm listening for him. Uh, And again, this is stuff that's supposed to be normal. We're not just supposed to hear God at during worship times at, at church. Like you're supposed to hear him all day, every day, but so many times we don't believe it's him. So we edit it, you know, a, a couple of like crazy stories or one, one, one simple story and then more kind of intense story. A simple story is, you know, <clears throat> I asked God once we, I went to the stop sign right, right by my house. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I needed to go to a coffee shop to work. And I said, Lord, do you want me to go North or South? 
And I just felt a prompting that said, go south. And I was like, oh, all the coffee shops or all the good coffee shops are north. Where am I going to go? So I turn left, I go south, and then I get to the light. And I'm like, all right, left or right? Like literally like this kind of stuff. And I feel like he said left. So I, I turn left and I start driving down. And then I see like, oh, I'm going to this one, like, I'll just be honest with you. It's a really bad coffee shop, but it's the <laughs> only one in the area. I was so annoyed. And as I pull in the parking lot, I decide to text a friend of mine that I knew worked in that office building behind that coffee shop. So I just said, you know, hey, man, like, I, I know we haven't talked in a year. We kind of had a falling out of our relationship. And I said, we haven't talked in over a year, but man, I know that you work back here. Are you around? I'm, I, I kid you not. I get a text back. I haven't heard from this guy in a year. Within 10 seconds, like all the OMG emojis, like what in the world, Carlos, you're not going to believe this. And he took a screen capture of his phone and he had actually been emailing me an email, an apology email and a reconciliation email at the moment I pulled into that parking lot and texted him. Wow. He said, I was writing you right now. And he, and he sprints to meet me in the coffee shop. He's in tears. I'm in tears. Mm. We're crying. We, we sit there for five hours. And you see, this is what I'm talking about. Like right. these are these are the sort of things I'm talking about. That Holy Spirit is is going to lead you throughout your day. What, could I have had a great day if I'd have gone north instead of south? Absolutely. But when you get specific with God, He will get specific with you. And these are the wild things I'm talking about. These are the these are the stories that man just blow your mind on a daily basis. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I <clears throat> yeah, love man. that. In your book, there's there's a section where you address people who may be weir- wary of or have been maybe wounded by the charismatic movement, and yeah. you know this idea of you know so much emphasis on the spirit, which obviously yeah. um, you know the spirit is empowering everything that we're doing day in day out. You make it very clear yeah. that you're you are leaning on the Holy Spirit moment by moment. Right. You know, you're this is a practice of your life now. There may be some who have, you know, experienced or either experienced something that didn't go well in regard to the spirit, right? Or, you know, people yep. talking about spirit or a culture around oh, yeah. that. Or they they have never really entered into that. And, you know, that they're in a different tradition maybe that's kind of from the outside looking in and saying, hey, that's a little too maybe wild, right? Yep. Um, yep. So these people might be hesitant to enter the wild, right? Enter wild, as you yes. say. What would you say to to those people who kind of in either of those camps, either they've been maybe, maybe wounded by it to some degree, or they've yep. been kind of like not real sure about it? What would you say to them? Oh, well, I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm talking to myself, to be honest with you. Like that, like mm. they are me. Like this is brand new to me. Like all this stuff to me is only within like the last five years of really, really trusting that that Holy Spirit is moving and trusting that miracle signs and wonders exist. And tr- like, none of that was available to me growing up. It was God, the father, Jesus Christ, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, like it was, <laughs> the Holy Spirit was this weird, was this kind of weird thing, you know? And so like, I get it. I, I, I understand it. And so this is what I would say. I would say that um, this is not something that you necessarily need to, um, I think I think initially when I wanted to experience this, like I would sprint to like charismatic conferences and I would sprint to charismatic churches and I would sprint to things that, you know, uh, the, the, the church is the bride, you know, of Christ, like, like the absolutely utterly important with who we are, but you don't need to change churches. You don't need to change theology. You don't need to change um, how you experience God on the weekends and at small groups in order to begin to experience God in a new way on a daily basis. Mm. And so what I would say is that, you know, it may not be as big as a, of a shift as you think it is. Like it actually may not be as big of a shift as, 
as I thought it was. It actually wasn't. For me, just taking small, tiny steps is what led me to the space of realizing so much more is available to me. So much more is available to me. And now I've like come back from that side. And I'm honestly, I'm trying to talk to all my friends that don't believe me, maybe don't trust me that, that, <laughs> you know, maybe don't feel like it's safe to go where I've gone. Um, and, and, and what I'm telling them is do this at your own pace, take your time. You know, I, I feel like I'm a very safe place to do that because I've existed in kind of conservative evangelicalism for such a long, long time that people actually will DM me on Instagram and say, Carlos, it's been kind of nuts to see you over the last three years kind of shift towards this, maybe more charismatic, you know, centering. And, um, I, I don't even like the word charismatic because it brings so much baggage, you right, know? And right. so, Again, you know, I would just say take small steps, take it slowly, uh, and find people that you trust. That's that's also very important. Find people that you trust that you can start having conversations about this. And then listen, the worst that could happen is is that you don't hear from God, right? Like like that's 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 the worst that could happen that you don't hear from God in a new way, but you continue to hear from God in the old way. But what I'm here to tell you is that that's not going to actually happen. Like mm-hmm. like we're we're scared to ask God specific questions. We are. Like the reason why I was so scared to do it my entire adult life was because I was scared if I asked him to do something specifically and he didn't do it specifically, then I would have a crisis of faith and I would no longer believe in this faith that I'd come to believe in. And so that's very scary. It's a scary proposition. Um, that's why I'm saying don't bet the house yet on this. Just start small. Talk, ask like I did, Chipotle or Chick-fil-A. Lord, you know, what, what would you have me do today? Do I want this or do I want that? And when you start slowly, uh, you'll get there. I, I talk about in the book how I kind of liken it to uh, Chronicles of Narnia and Lucy going through the wardrobe and finding and discovering Narnia and then walking back through the wardrobe to convince her siblings to come with them, to come with her. And they think she's crazy, right? Like, like mm-hmm. if you remember the movie or right. you read the book, they're like, they're like, well, they actually go to the professor they're living with and they're like, our sister Lucy has lost her mind. You know, and then the, I love what the professor says to them. He said, he says, has she ever lied to you before? And they said, no. And, and, and this is the whole trust, trust, find a friend that's trustworthy. And, and the professor said, if she's never lied to you before, why would she lie to you now? And, and I just, I, I want people that, that have trusted my voice for a long time, have trusted me in the settings that they found me or listened to me in to just trust me to walk through the wardrobe, even for a second. And once we get over there, and you see, and you put your feet in the snow, you, at that point, you can decide whether or not to go back or not. It's totally fine. But I just want you to experience. And once you experience it, I promise you, uh, there is this land waiting for you that you didn't even know existed. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for man. taking the time to be with us again and, and just sharing your heart and sharing a part of, of your journey, um, which is so cool to hear. You know, Someone who's, yes. who's been in ministry for, for years and, and serving the church serving the Lord and um, just how God is doing fresh things in your life. That's that's encouraging to all of us. So thank you for for opening your, your heart up, opening your life up and sharing through Enter Wild. Such a great book. Oh man, thanks so much for having me. Super, super excited. Anytime you want, I'd love to have a conversation. Awesome, brother. Well, God bless you. All right, man. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. 
Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.